the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and I am here with our team, the discipleship team from the board. And uh, just a minute, I'm going to introduce those guys to you. But I tell you what, we are in some of the craziest times that I have ever seen. I heard Ike Reichard, uh, just a well-known, beloved pastor here in Georgia, speaking a couple of days ago, made this comment. He said that we've not seen this kind of impact anywhere uh, across the world of this magnitude probably since World War II. So we're living in days when we are going to talk about what it was like back in the 20s. And of course, not the 1920s, but the 2020s when the COVID-19 hit, a lot of uh, uh, impact that's personally with churches and uh, also with our families. But I'll tell you this, uh, there's a phrase that I heard and I've really um, held on to this and it's, it says this, that the future belongs to the agile. And I believe that when you think about what is happening in our families, uh, even, even Elizabeth and I, I mean, becoming homeschool parents overnight. And uh, neither one of us really have the temperament to be able to do that. You guys may have, uh, maybe feeling kind of like uh, we have some, some thoughts that have gone through your head. Number one, praise God for school teachers and medical professionals. Would you agree with me? You, do, you, can, uh, you can hit a little uh, hand signal there on the comments below if you want to, to let us know when you're uh, jumping on board with us. Uh, there's a second thought maybe you've had. Can I trade one of my children for toilet paper or for hand sanitizer? Um, either one of those thoughts works. That's kind of where Elizabeth and I have been, trying to figure out this homeschool thing and uh, to love our kids. But I'm telling you, all day, every day for two straight weeks has been, uh, has been trying on all of us. Listen, I want to introduce um, our team to you. And uh, fellas, if one of y'all will, will share this to my personal page, uh, while I'm talking through this and introducing guys, that'll help so everybody who's on my personal page to be able to join us. I've got several that said they would wait on that. Well, let's start in the Northwest region. The number one region is what I hear. Dr. Right. Tim Smith, tell us who you are and how much money you got, man. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Uh, yeah, I'm Tim Smith, and I serve as the discipleship consultant in Northwest Georgia. We've uh, been here Oh, goodness, right at 30 years, and uh, and so 20-plus uh, years with Georgia Baptist, and I uh, love working with our churches and pastors up here. Thank you. Incredible, incredible That's right. Tim, we're glad to have you, buddy. Thanks for being with us uh, this evening, but also on our team. Over in the Northeast region, Mr. Kenneth Acock, one of our uh, part-time guys, he's actually serving in the trenches. He's one of those guys trying to figure it all out on the fly. Kenneth, tell us a little bit about you. My name is Kenneth Acock. I'm glad to serve on a part-time basis here in Northeast Georgia. I'm the discipleship pastor at Hopewell Baptist Church in Gainesville. Been serving there uh, for right at five years now and just excited about what God's doing and the opportunity to serve Georgia Baptist in Northeast Georgia. You bet, Kenneth. Glad to have you, man. West Central region, Mr. Mike Taylor. I affectionately call him Tiny because I think he's uh, six foot nine and 200 pounds. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I'm Mike Taylor. I'm West Central. Uh, my region covers Covington Conyers, most all of the metro, all the way over to the Alabama line down to LaGrange. Love working with pastors, love working with our discipleship guys and serving churches, helping churches in whatever way they might need, particularly when it comes to making disciples. Awesome. So grateful to have you, Mike. And then we have another pastor 
that is with us. The Dallas White is in Ackworth at the Grove Church. We're super excited to have Dallas part of our team, another one of our part-time uh, workers. Man, just doing a great job. Uh, Dallas, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're uh, serving right now. Yeah, thanks for joining us tonight, everybody. Dallas White, Grove Church, Ackworth, Georgia. Um, Full-time pastor, part-time getting to serve with this incredible team at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Passionate about making disciples changed my life. And so looking forward to learning with you all as we try to expand our tribe, our disciple-making tribe here in uh, Georgia. Absolutely. And then down in the um, East Central, we've got Matthew Gibbs. Matthew, tell us about you, man. We're glad to have you as well, serving in a, a church down there in the East Central as well. Hey, Scott, thank you so much, and I just want to welcome all of you that are watching. My name is Matthew Gibbs. I am the East Central Region part-time consultant. I'm also full-time on staff as the Minister of Education Evangelism at Second Baptist Church here in Warner Robins. I've been here about 11 years. I'm just excited to be a part of this team and, and encourage pastors and discipleship guys and help them uh, be better disciple makers. So we're looking forward to all that we can do to help you guys out. Awesome. And then in our Southeast Region, uh, Mr. Ray Sullivan. Ray is, uh, was a pastor, and he uh, joined us full-time uh, in the Southeast region. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ray. Yeah, thank you, Scott. I'm glad everybody's with us tonight. Um, Ray Sullivan, not related to Scott Sullivan. He could be my daddy, <laughs> but uh, really glad to be a part of this team. Uh, as Scott said, I have pastored for 28 years, uh, most of that time here in uh, the state of Georgia, and just excited about being down here in the southeast and being a part of this team and uh, helping churches uh, to do what Jesus commissioned us to do, and that is to to make disciples and just excited about the future and where we're headed from here, and especially during these trying times as we're all walking through this together. Awesome. Glad you are on the team, Ray. And then in the southwest region, we've got Dr. P.J. Dunn. He is so new that the books you see in the background are probably the only thing that's out of the boxes. Is that about right, PJ? <laughs> I would say that's correct, um, uh, just to make this look good. And uh, I'm also on the search for good barbecue because I'm coming from Texas. So if anybody knows of any good barbecue down this way, I'd love to know. Awesome. Hey, well, let's jump in, guys. We don't want to waste any time. Uh, one of the things that we know is that our pastors, our leaders in our local church, uh, man, they're just really – asking a lot of questions. There's been a lot of shifts. So there's, a, there's a lot of fear. Perhaps the only thing that is more contagious than this virus has been the fear that it's been causing. And what I would say to you, friends, is this. We want to share with you uh, fairly briefly. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each of these points tonight. We're really going to upload this to you. And then over the next four to six weeks, we're going to flesh each one of these pivots out to you. So the title of the article that I dropped uh, this morning, it should be on our Georgia Baptist Discipleship uh, group page, but also on several of our individual pages that you can read along there as we're bringing it in. We're going to flesh that out of the next few weeks, but here's the basic idea. There are some pivots that the local church needs to make in order for you to be prepared to have gospel impact coming out of this quarantine. Because what we've been hearing a lot of is, man, this is crisis. We, we can't meet by face-to-face uh, -face anymore. Well, listen, that's not really the crisis, okay? And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. So uh, one thing I want to share with you is this, guys. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us and you're watching by Facebook, uh, we want you to leave a comment. So here's what we're going to do. I've got a nifty little power supply here with our logo 
Georgia Baptist Discipleship um, that we're going to give away uh, at the end of this uh, podcast broadcast. We're going to give that away, but what we need you to do is comment. You can just wave. You can ask a question. You can say, hey, man, that dude's head is really big. Whatever you want to say, uh, we'll be glad to receive that, but that's where we're going to pull those names from to give this away, so make sure that you leave a comment. Now, Tim, Matthew, I want to bring y'all in first. Uh, the first layer of this, the first pivot that I mentioned in the article was this, that the church needs to be the church outside the church. And I'm convinced of this, that, that this is where we gain our voice in the community. I mean, things are difficult. I, I walked outside and there are people walking all over, uh, but they're in these small clusters and nobody even really wants to, to look at each other. Um, there's some difficult times happening, but the church earns the right to speak truth into people's lives, even if they don't believe when we begin to love and serve in our community. So Tim, help me out here with uh, some of the things that you're seeing, Northwest region, some of the conversations that you are having. Uh, what are you seeing that people are doing in their communities uh, to minister to their neighbors, some of the creative ideas that you're seeing? Thanks, Scott. And, uh, and yeah, the church is uh, seeing some incredible things. They're doing some great things. Um, you know, our area where I live in Cartersville was one of the first spots uh, in the state hit by this um, uh, incredible virus. And, and so we've been fighting it for uh, almost a month now. And um, one, one of the things that happened was, and you probably saw it on the news, where uh, the folks gathered in the parking lot and the nurses and the doctors came out on the roof and cars were all around the hospital and they were singing songs of praise. They were reading scripture and, and uh, they were praying and uh, over the FM Christian radio, local Christian radio station. That, that idea came from a kid a kid wow. that, that uh, wanted to do that and, uh, and rallied so many people. And now it's spread to where it's going uh, all over and other communities are doing this and churches are doing this for the hospitals. I, I've seen so many of our uh, kids leaders around the state that have been doing a great job of putting stuff on uh, Facebook for families. Um, they've uh, lessons ideas to help families. And so they've been doing a great job. I was talking to uh, one of our churches down in Marietta. They had 85 middle schoolers gathered for a Wednesday night worship on Zoom. And they did the large group time. And when they came in, they had to tell them what Sunday school class they were in. So they did the large group with the 85. And then Zoom's got a feature where they could go into a breakout. And so they were able to attend their regular Sunday school class on a Wednesday wow. night. I tell you, I've been, I've been seeing Sunday school classes that have been doing some incredible things of praying for their neighbors, just walking around and, and, and not necessarily going up to the house, but just standing at the mailbox or standing on the street and praying. Sunday school classes that have been meeting needs, going and getting groceries and uh, 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 going to the pharmacy, picking up prescriptions, uh, doing all kinds of things. Uh, to, to meet the needs of mm -hmm. folks. And, and, and I'm so proud of my group, you know, a bunch of empty nesters. Um, and uh, this past Sunday had 26 of our folks online uh, doing uh, Sunday school, doing our group on Sunday morning prior to worship online. And, uh, and, it, and it was absolutely incredible just to see everybody's face light up when they saw each other on the screen and they were able to connect and, and, and share and, and be concerned for each other. I, I think that's one of the best things we can do is just stay connected 
uh, and encourage each other uh, and, and, and also use this as an incredible time to, to reach our neighbors with the gospel. And, uh, and so uh, we did, a, I wrote a blog about, about that and, and about being connected with your neighbors uh, during this time through an on, online gathering. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I know, I know mm-hmm. Matthew's seen some stuff, uh, too. Some things have been going on with some of the groups and churches that, that he's a part of. Yeah, Tim, I appreciate that. And, and being one of the guys in the trenches as a pastor, we've, we've actually seen that in our own own church uh, as well. I've talked to a number of pastors, and of course, they're excited that uh, they're able to connect with their people um, virtually, and, and we're seeing churches that are using that virtual uh, medium not only for worship now, but just like you said, small groups connecting, staying encouraged, uh, praying for one another, sharing their needs, uh, sharing uh, prayer concerns maybe with friends and, and family members who are, who are outside the church, and so I think they're doing a great job of not only staying connecting, but recognizing that we can still be the church in the community, even if we can't gather together right now. Uh, It's funny. I had a church member uh, was talking to them. They're not really technically tech savvy, but uh, I had encouraged some of these folks to, to meet together with their life groups and, uh, and they had done that. And she said, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen. She said, I've been going to church for over 60 years. And this first time we hadn't been able to go. And so it's a whole new world to us uh, trying to figure out how to stay connected to our groups. Uh, And it's interesting uh, in our own church, uh, we've really challenged uh, our people to be uh, on mission uh, in a number of ways. And we've seen, uh, we've seen our church and a number of other churches, not only this community, other community do things, ladies uh, making masks and taking them to the, to the local hospital and the, uh, the nursing homes. We, uh, we've seen folks uh, going through a drive-through and just uh, saying, "Hey, I'm gonna pay for the folks behind me and give them this card, tell them uh, that Jesus loves them, and so do we." And we want to be a church that's uh, ministering to their needs in this time. And so, just numerous things that people are doing way outside the box to create opportunities to to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I uh, I was thinking about this today, a, a book that our staff read a number of years ago called uh, "The Irresistible Church" or the mm. The Church of Irresistible Influence, and I just pulled that book out, and one of the things that uh, the author, Robert Lewis, says here, he says, you know, we, we have all these words, Jesus loves you, uh, we love you, and he said, but those words become disconnected when we don't put feet behind them, hands and feet behind them, and he says, when we are out there loving people, serving them, he said, the opportunities to share the gospel will come as we become the hands and feet of Jesus, and so I'm just excited that Many of our churches are realizing, hey, it's unprecedented time, so let's do some unprecedented things and make an impact in the world. Well, that's good. That's good stuff. Now, one thing I want you to do for those of you who are watching this by Facebook, I want you to comment, ask you a question. We'd love to hear from you all. What are people in your community doing to minister to neighbors during this time? We've shared a few things that we've been seeing. Uh, one of the values that our team brings to the table when we sit in front of you as a pastor, a leader, a Sunday school director, is that we can share with you best practices of things that happen. So we want to know. We want to learn from you. Share with us on that. Make a comment there about some creative things that are going on in your community. And Tim, to your point about the, the horns honking and, and people singing, we got a message today that in northwest Louisiana, in the hospital that serves where we just moved from, they sent us a video of just it sounded like hundreds of cars honking their horns and people singing uh, during shift break. 
when all of those workers were coming out of those hospitals. Just an incredible moment. Well, let's all move. We with uh, a, kid, a kid with an idea. Isn't that incredible? Well, there was a, um, a phrase I wanted to mention. Ed Stetzer said something. Uh, he said, going online for worship and Bible study is not your crisis. The crisis is coming. And friends, I want to echo that for you because there are, and probably for the, you know, maybe for several weeks, I've found myself in this camp of thinking, you know, most people aren't getting real sick with this. You know, it, it's just not that kind of bad. What if I get it? You know, if my kids get it, you know, it's just not going to be so bad. Listen, friends, I want you to take this serious. It's time for you to, to understand the seriousness of where we are with this virus, the economic impact that it's about to have on our country, the overflow. I spoke to the uh, city manager of one of our areas here close to where I live, and he was just saying our hospitals are becoming, are overflowing with people in the masses of who's sick aren't even here yet. So I want you to take this serious, and, and as a church leader, here's a point I want to make to you. The crisis isn't not necessarily uh, going online or having to move your people to Zoom. The crisis is coming. That's going to be when somebody in your church gets the virus, when somebody you know dies from it, when you start having to lay people off at your church who employed because the money's not there, when 40 to 50% of your church congregation may not have a job anymore. So that's when the crisis is going to hit. But listen, you can't mobilize your people once you figure out what's wrong. Here's my encouragement to you. It's time today to mobilize your people, to love your community, to get ready for what's coming so that the church can be the church, earn a voice, and lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of that first section, you'll see several articles that we listed, one by Tim. I think Mike Taylor's got one, and also there's one in there from Brad Marchman about how to mobilize your uh, team to get out and serve in the community. Let's move to the second point here. I'm going to bring Mike Taylor into the mix. So the second one talks about providing a balance of options that corporate um, engagement, but also that groups engagement. And, and we right now we can't meet face to face. So we're going to figure out these things on the fly, but eventually we will be able to meet face to face. Uh, Mike, tell us what's what you're hearing that churches are doing some of the ways that they're finding creative ways to stay engaged because you and I know that that a core piece of every church is connectivity, staying connected with the body. Tell us a little bit. Yeah, Scott, I, you know, in my conversations with pastors and, and conversations with disciple making guys, uh, even today, uh, I'm learning new, new things about what's happening out there among churches. And, and one of the things that I experienced on Sunday morning, just a simple way of doing it, this particular church, one teacher presented a Sunday school lesson. It was a lecture. It wasn't a Zoom meeting or anything like that. And they they just put it out on Vimeo for people to download and look at later. I attended that class. Then I've moved myself to another church in LaGrange, Georgia. And I sat there and listened to that pastor preach a message. And then I went to um, up into Douglasville and I listened to Jeff Overton and his message and talking about love and about how we're to be loving and reaching out to others. And I begin to, as I begin to talk to some of these guys, I begin to think about how does this look and how are we doing this and coming through the next several uh, weeks and months ahead. And what, is a, what does a group look like on the other side of this? And how are we going to, 
how are we going to be doing this differently? You know, I think at the very beginning, we, we really were concerned, and a lot of pastors were, about what does my worship service look like next Sunday, because I don't have uh, my, my congregation there. I don't have all of the stuff that I normally do to make it really do well. And we really work hard every Sunday to cause worship to look good. And we really work hard every Sunday to help our Sunday school groups or our small groups through the week to do a good job. Then all that was thrown out the window and we had to figure out a new way of doing it. And I think so many times pastors, what they did is they came in, they tried to replicate what Sunday morning was like. And they, they tried to go to the church and sit behind, stand behind the pulpit and do a lot of different things just like they normally would. And quite honestly, our people are sitting at home. And they're just sitting there in their homes and really can't get out. And so what would be better if our pastors could relate better to our people, I think, in a lot of ways, if we just, just kind of backed off and not tried to be the technical whizzes that we're many times not. And just move forward and learn a little bit each week and grow a little bit each week and get back into this thing in a better way. I think that would be a better way to do it. As far as groups go, what I'm seeing is it's all over the page. And um, we're finding that groups are, uh, many, many of them by, by what I'm seeing have gone to Zoom as the option for that. It does has, have its limitations. If you're not in a paid uh, format of that and you can go online to our website at gabaptist.org and learn more about that, uh, about all the technical aspects of Zoom and what that means or the technical aspects of Facebook. Uh, or Facebook Live and some of those some of those issues, but Zoom gives you those abilities to to have your group and to talk and to share together and do those things and it's re and it's really good and I've I've had some good experiences myself with it and I've also heard a lot of good things about it and there's a lot of good uh, things that are rolling out out there. It does require some adjustment uh, to the length of how we're teaching. It requires. How, we were, how we're taking prayer requests. It requires a lot of adjustment in there. But I think on the back side of this, I think we're gonna be better with our groups. I think the key now is to keep them together and to keep them connected and give them opportunity to invite others into the group that may never have come. One of the things I learned today, and I, we were talking in our conversation with other disciple makers, is you probably have, let's say your church runs 100 people in worship and you run 60 in Sunday school, you probably have 40, 50 people that are sitting out there in the worship service that are not attending a group. And this is a great time to start a group uh, online with some of those people. And that could actually carry over later into a permanent group. So I would think that would be a really great way because so many of us want to see those groups build up and growing and going moving forward. And that's one of the things that our consultants um, can do for you. If you have those questions, we've been just inundated with that. How do I get onto a Zoom? How do I start an account? Can I put multiple people on the screen? All of those questions, we've been working through that day and night since this thing happened um, and became clear that our, our churches won't meet regularly. So if you're watching with us, I want you to do something. Comment below. Uh, and here's a question for you. In what ways are you seeing people learn to stay connected and do life together during this uh, COVID-19. Maybe at your church, maybe close to you, maybe some of those close friends, close families. What are some of the ways, some of the things that you're doing? Because we've seen everything from people going to a, a parking lot and parking four or five spaces away, sitting on the tailgates of their truck 
in talking across a parking lot. There's all kinds of creative ways, but we want you to comment below about some of the things that you are seeing there. Let's shift to number three now. Uh, this is Ray Sullivan. Ray, I want you to jump in on this one. We're talking about equip your members to give them Jesus. And oh my goodness, our folks need to, to know how to effectively share Christ with folks. I had an evangelist friend that uh, said this. He would say, man, stop overthinking this thing and just give them Jesus. You know, we get so caught up into the fear and I can't do it. Or what if they reject me type thing? Ray, talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you're, because there's some really creative ideas that are beginning to flow in families and churches right now when it comes to reaching out and sharing Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Scott. That, that's what's been so exciting, you know, to me. It was just, you know, the second week of January and, and I, was, I was still pastoring. And uh, that's all I've known. That's what I've done my entire adult life is being a pastor. And I just want to say, and all of you staff people out there and pastors, thank you so much for, for what you're doing. Uh, I, you know, I was just sitting there thinking, what would I do? How, how would I handle this? And, um, you know, I've had an opportunity to talk to so many pastors and, and you guys are just rocking it. And I want to thank you for what you're doing. Um, you know what, there's always been a norm and there's always been some people that maybe do things a little bit outside of the norm and they do stuff a little bit here and do stuff a little bit there. But, you know, we, we, we all kind of learned this is what you do. This is how you do church. And uh, this is how you do Sunday school. And this is how you preach. And this is how you do an invitation. And this is how you do evangelism. Well, all of that has changed. Even though some of those methods still work, it's not that they're bad. We're just living in a different world. And it happened almost instantly. And so the beauty of this is the box is open. And uh, there's there so many different people that are trying different things. And, and what I want to encourage you uh, to think about is, you know, the first week, it's just survival. I mean, so many of you were saying, hey, I just got to, I've got to figure out what we're going to do this week. I've got to get my service off online. How do I do Facebook Live? And, and then some of you have said, okay, now we're kind of working on groups. And, and sometimes we, we can get so caught up in all of these things that we forget that what we're called to do is to make disciples. And, and what we're called to do is, is, Scott, exactly what you said, and that is give people Jesus. And so what I would just encourage you to do is, is be thinking about, as we're going about these things with technology and social media and all of these, keeping in front of, of your people the opportunity to share their faith. What we're going through right now is a time of disruption. And anytime there's disruption in life, people begin to open up and they begin to ask questions and they wonder what are the answers and how do we get to this point and what's coming tomorrow? I heard somebody say today, you know, that the three biggest gods, I think we were talking about in our team meeting today, the, the three biggest other gods of this world, entertainment, sports, and money have all been rocked. And, and so now what do we have? Well, we have the God. Uh, we, we have Jesus to offer. And so, you know, be, be creative in that. And, and I was looking at some different things. Some people are, are getting their churches to do virtual prayer walking. Uh, you know, um, you, you can go online and you can search social media, find out what people are struggling with, what are their hurts, and then use that as an opportunity to reach out to them, build a relationship with them, or continue that relationship with them and share uh, your faith with them. Um, one of the things that uh, our evangelist catalyst, uh, Levi Skipper, shared today I thought was a great idea uh, is what he's doing in his family, what they're doing in their neighborhood is they're, they're, um, they're 
doing like a scavenger hunt for their community. They're taking crosses and they're going out and they're putting these 12 crosses, they're hiding them in the community. And then through social media or flyers or mail, uh, they're asking their neighbors uh, to go out as, as they're going through their walks, as they're driving through the neighborhood, to find these crosses and take pictures and post them. And then in these flyers, they're putting in there the gospel story or what it means, why the cross is empty, uh, that Jesus has been risen from the dead. They're taking the gospel message and they're, they're including their neighbors in this process and opening up opportunities to build conversation. People are isolated right now and they're looking for answers. And anything that we can do during this time to give them Jesus, it is a wonderful opportunity to, that we have. So I would just encourage you, think outside of the box. Uh, these pastor forums, these pastor virtual roundtables that I've been able to be a part of, uh, man, there are just so many ideas that other pastors are sharing. And what a great opportunity we have to all come together right now and say, hey, what are you doing uh, to make disciples? How are you, now that you got your services online, what are you doing as far as multiplication? What are you doing as far as evangelism? Well, hey, we've done this. Well, let's see if that'll work in our community. So we're learning from each other. We're all working uh, together in this. We're going through this at the same time. And uh, I think it's a great opportunity. But we cannot forget in the midst of all of this, if, if all this becomes about technology and we just walk out of here with a bunch of pastors, a bunch of staff members learning a lot about technology and saying, man, we are, we are technological gurus, but we forget in the midst of that, what we've been called to do is to give people Jesus. That we've missed the boat. We've missed a great opportunity. So I think in a couple of weeks on a Monday night, as we go through this, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the specifics about things we can do as far as evangelism and meeting needs and sharing Christ in our community. That's right, Ray. That's so good. And if you're just joining us, uh, we are working through uh, an article that it drops called Six Pivots uh, that you're you as a leader need to consider to position your church for big gospel impact coming out of the quarantine. We talked about be the church outside the church. We talked about providing a balance of options for your people online and face-to-face when that gets back for the corporate gathering, but also for these smaller groups. We talked about equipping your members to share Jesus, to give folks uh, the gospel. And, uh, and, and on that, there's one more resource you'll notice in the article. It's No Sweat Evangelism. So Levi's incredible. He's our evangelism catalyst, and he's got, uh, it's called No Sweat Evangelism, that teaches people how to just share the gospel. It's, it's not hard. It takes the fear out of it. So I would encourage you to check that out. Let's bounce to the fourth pivot now. I'm going to bring in uh, D-Dub, my man, Dallas White, pastor in Ackworth. And, um, and the, the title here was Consider a New Church Model. But I put a question mark on there because I'm hearing some of the pastors, maybe even some, some AMs that have said some things like, man, I'm just going to throw it all out the window. We're going to quit church the way we're, we're doing it. We're going to go to the home model. And, and maybe some of them need to do that. But, uh, but I, in the immortal words of college football game day host Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. I would just say be careful. You know, making bra- uh, these these big decisions right now when everything is emotional. Dallas, I know you've made some big um, pivots there in Ackworth. Tell us a little bit about what's happened at your church and, uh, and and maybe even some healthy signs that you're seeing now. Yeah, I appreciate you making me follow Ray. That's like preaching after Adrian Rogers. I mean, thank you for that. Uh, Ray's just spitting fire. No, I I would share this. I heard several years ago 
a good statement that I've, I've kind of clinged to in the midst of what we're walking through right now. And it was something along these lines. Um, don't, make, don't make major decisions in the middle of the lowest valley or on top of the highest peak, right? Because we're going to swing through different seasons of life. And there's going to be some seasons where we are down in the depths of despair. And there's going to be some seasons we are on top of our game. And uh, these wise words, I felt like, were extremely beneficial to me because in seasons like the one we're in, where everything is changing, if you're a planner like I am and you feel like your plans have been thrown out the window, you can, you can be tempted to um, not just tweak your plans, but, but, but throw out some of your entire system and think, it, does everything need to change? And I, I would just give maybe a word of pause to the people who are watching with us tonight don't make major decisions in this moment. Do we need to make decisions? Absolutely. Are there some things that we have to tweak and adjust? Certainly there are. And those are good things to do from time to time. But uh, let's walk through this season. Let's learn some things from it. And then let's get on the other side and say, okay, what did we learn in that season that might help us in our mission of making disciples uh, better accomplish that mission? But I would caution churches against trying to completely overhaul maybe the methods by which they've been using to, to, to make disciples in this season. He's um, they said this, do not try to revive what was not alive. Mm. Um, there are some of our churches that we don't want to go back and, uh, and, and do things the way we've, we've been doing them. Because right. the reality is, friends, if they hadn't been working, you don't want to go back to that. This is a great time to make the pivot to do something that's worked. My dad used to tell me, he said, son, it didn't take a master mechanic to know that if the tractor ain't working, you either got to fix it or you got to buy a new one. Right. Well, in your church, listen, if it's not working, if, if there's not life change happening, if there's not growth, if there's not life, because there, there's two things that we know that happen with living organisms, they grow and they multiply. So listen, if your church isn't growing, if it's not multiplying, then you don't want to do the same thing. And that's where these guys are professionals. My consultants want to come in, sit down with you, help you assess what's happening. Listen, not to throw it all out. The stuff that's good, keep doing it. And things that aren't working, make some shifts to uh, do those things better. At the, um, the end of that fourth section in the article, you'll see a link there that gives the name and contact information for all of these consultants. So you can go there and make contact with the one that's in your region. Now, just a reminder, we are going to be giving away this uh, power supply box that'll fuel, you know, computer to you know, give you some power for your cell phone. We're going to give that away at the end of this broadcast. So make sure that you comment your name and we'll, uh, we'll draw some names at the end. Number five, let's bring in Kenneth Acock up in the Northeast region. And the title here was Empower Leaders and Parents to become disciple makers. This is huge because listen, for decades, Kenneth, we have taught parents and we've spoken, we've shared over and over to help our parents understand that you are the number one discipler of their children. And then overnight it happened. And our parents were forced to, be, to become the discipler of their kids or the kids aren't gonna get anything. Everything from homeschool to Sunday school to small group, Bible study. So tell us some of the things that you are seeing. And while Kenneth is talking, I want you guys to comment on something while he shared some of the creative ideas that he's seen with families. If you're watching this broadcast, if you'll comment on that comment section, how has COVID-19 affected family ministry 
and how families are discipling their kids. So what you see in your own family, and I can tell you, we've, we have done some things differently just in the last two to three weeks and how we're discipling our kids. So if you're watching, we want to hear from you. Comment about how it's affected family ministry for you, your, your church, or how you're um, doing things differently with your own children. So, Candace, share with us a little bit about what you're seeing. Scott, you're exactly right. Uh, we have been trying for years. If you talk to anybody that has been working in discipleship ministries at their, uh, at their church, whether that be in, in student ministry or children's ministry or preschool ministry, the challenge has always been how do we get parents to, to be the spiritual leaders of their homes that God intended them to be. A lot of our parents, not all, but a lot of our parents, they see it as a win that they bring their kids and drop them off at church. And they really give over their right as being the spiritual leader of their homes over to that uh, student ministry leader, that children's ministry leader, or that preschool ministry leader. And that's not the way God intended it. So there's a lot of challenging things that are coming out of the, uh, the virus that we're dealing with right now. But one of the things that, that I'm really kind of excited about is, is putting the ball back in the court of the parents. But the church needs to be there to help equip them uh, to be able to be the spiritual leaders of their home because a lot of people don't know how to do it. And, and then they've got a lot of challenges at their home. Just like you said, um, they've got their kids at home now and they're not quite sure what to do. Um, they're trying to get their work done themselves for the work they have to do for their job. And then they're trying to make sure their, their children get all their schoolwork done. But there's got to be some time for spiritual formation built into that. Now, everybody's schedule is, is a challenge right now. But I would encourage you to, to make sure and everyone out there to make sure that, that they just take it one day at a time. We're a homeschool family. We've been homeschooling uh, for years, for probably eight or nine years at my house. And it's disrupted our schedule because even though we homeschool, we're not able to get out. My kids aren't able to go to music lessons and uh, co-ops and all those kind of things that they're a part of. So it's disrupted our schedule as well. So you really need to think about what a win is for today. And there, there are several opportunities. One thing from a church perspective, I would encourage every church to do, every pastor who's preaching a message on Sunday morning, every, every group leader for, for whatever age group that you're teaching, develop some questions that parents can talk about with their children. You know, pastor, when you're preaching that message on Sunday morning, take some time and, and give the parents and in in your congregation uh, some questions that they can talk about for application with their children, how to talk about these things that the pastor's preaching about. Also, adult Sunday school leaders, small group leaders, uh, give, uh, when, you're, when you're at the end of your, your Zoom lesson or whatever technology that you're using, give some opportunities for parents to know how to talk to their uh, children about the spiritual uh, lessons that you've talked about in your group. How do they transfer that to their home? How, what are those steps that they can take? What are the questions that they can ask that, that they can talk with their parents? I mean, the parents can talk to their children about those things. So that's one thing that we can do from a church perspective or a group perspective. One thing for parents I would encourage them to do, the first step, the hardest step is, is just sitting down and doing it, whether it be praying with your children or giving them some kind of missional activity. We've, all, we've already heard uh, for some of the other guys about some activities that parents are doing. I heard of uh, one dad uh, in our congregation at Hopewell, one of their neighbors of this family works at a hospital. And you know, these hospital workers have been working crazy hours. So he took his son and uh, on Saturday, they went over and cut the grass for the neighbors. 
and mm -hmm. was able to talk to his son about why we do these things. Why do we serve? Why do we do what we do? What does it mean to be a Christian and serve in these times? So that that's active discipleship right there. So you think about that. The first step is always the hardest step is just do it. It's that old ad campaign. Just do it. Don't, don't beat yourself up over what you haven't done in the past. What are you going to do today to help your family take that next step spiritually? Also, don't overcomplicate things. We don't have to pray the, the longest prayer known to man to be able to pray with our spouse, to be able to pray with our children. Just simply ask God to, to show you and through the Holy Spirit to show you uh, what you should be praying. Lord, bless our family. Lord, help us through these tough times. Show us how you want us to grow as a family. God answers simple prayers. That's good, Kenneth. And I tell you what, what I would love to hear from those of you at home, if you'll comment uh, just for a second, I'd love to hear from you what you're doing at home with, with your children or with your spouse, uh, or if you're single, uh, with you're doing with a friend, or maybe you're just doing personally, what are you doing to engage in uh, a devotion time? Because I would just tell you this, the most foundational thing that we can do as a believer is spend time with Jesus in his word, and being a person of prayer. When you put those two things together, that is a secret sauce that creates comfort and dispels fear, gives wisdom. So I'd love to hear from you uh, that are watching, if you'll comment what you're doing um, at your house where you're in your context. Number six, let's move to Dr. PJ Dunn. Now I'm gonna say just a, a shout out to PJ. He's been our show producer for this. So he's been bouncing people out. And, and then when we talk too much, he's muting us. He's doing everything he can to keep this thing on track. So PJ, appreciate you doing that. But let me uh, move to this. This last uh, pivot that I mentioned was called Focus the Method to Achieve the Mission. And one of the things I noticed is that a lot of churches are, they're looking to see what they're doing from worship to Sunday school or small group or maybe a D group uh, or a men's ministry or women's ministry. And they're taking a look at all of these programs they've got and they're, they're asking some really good questions. And this is the time to do it. Do these programs, do these methods that we have been attached to for decades, generations, are they helping us accomplish the mission to make disciple makers of Jesus Christ? This yeah. is the time to ask that question. So uh, PJ, share with us a few of the things that you're seeing. Yeah, so um, seeing a lot of different things, but like the core thought behind it is that your strategy has to be flexible, right? And these churches that have picked a strategy that isn't dependent on a building or a specific time, but it's people driven and it's and it's with your value system so that you can adapt to wherever that would go. That those are the people that are hitting home runs. So when I when I talked to a, a pastor the other day and he tells me um, our congregation is 60 plus years old, there's 20, 25 of us, and I just know they're not going to do Facebook Live. And I'm hearing him and I'm thinking he's just going to tell me he stopped meeting, right? That's what he's teeing up for. And he goes, so I wrote out the sermon and I put it down. And every week I mail them an individual sermon with fill in the blanks and a little note that says, I'm praying for you. Write me back what I'm praying for you. Because he knows his people check the mail and he knows that they're going to awesome. connect with them. So it's not about technology. It's the strategy of thinking about our people and how can we love them. And then what is their context and how can I get into their world and show them God's love? How can I be first John four to them in this season? And those are the churches that are, that are hitting real home runs. So it's really not the size of your church. It doesn't have anything to do with where your context is, but the churches that are winning are picking those. And then 
just being sustainable in those processes. So don't, don't, um, I, somebody else said that maybe Ray said that earlier, you know, don't, don't pick something you can't do every week. And so some of our churches that first week rubber band of, oh, I must, I must have to do these things because everybody's doing them. And then we broke Facebook collectively, like yay Baptist. And then we all realized maybe we need to do something that actually connects with our people. And so I saw that in the comments too. Um, but that's just one really cool low tech, um, way that really highlights strategy. Well, that's good, PJ. And I, I tell you, I mentioned this in the article. I feel like there was an unspoken pathway towards spiritual maturity that I grew up with that said, if you go to big church, you're a good Christian and God's going to bless you. He's going to bless your business. Yeah. You're going to make money. You're going to have a good house. And if you go to big church and go to Sunday school, well, you're incredible. You're super Christian and you're the kind of guy that we want our daughter to marry. Now, if you go to big church, you go to Sunday school and you serve, on a service team, well, you must be called to ministry because nobody does that. Yeah. See, our, I feel like our people don't understand what biblical church membership looks like because it means that we're in worship, large group of corporate worship. It means that we're in a small group, chewing on the scripture, uh, enjoying the fellowship, but also giving accountability. But we're also serving on a, a service team where we're, we have an outlet for the spiritual giftedness that God's given to us. Now, I want you to speak to one more thing before uh, we move on and close this thing out. How important is the leader's role during this time? Because, you know, I love John Maxwell's quote that says, everything rises and falls on leadership. And in the local church, it couldn't be more true than that. What would you say uh, to a pastor who's trying to figure these things out? Maybe he's fearful. Maybe he's, in, he's intimidated. But we know that that's important. Do you have any thoughts there for that pastor? Yeah, the lead by example principle always comes into play here. So if we're going to step up as leaders, whether you're in the first chair, second chair, third chair on your on your team, um, you know, you have to lead by example. So if you're asking somebody to join somebody on a Zoom group and do discipleship group, are you doing it? You know, are you also going to to join a group and be a part of it? We've always said the most successful leaders would be, uh, you know, in the church that champion discipleship are the guys that are doing discipleship. They're mentoring somebody one-on-one. -on -one, they're going to breakfast with a small group of guys, concentric circles, all those things. But it all comes back to the leader doing it. And so, uh, Pastor, I would just speak, um, just if you could do what your people are doing and do what they're asking them to do, then it'll reveal some things. So, for instance, when I was talking with another church this week, they said, well, what more can we be doing? And I said, have you thought about how much you've asked of your volunteers in the last two weeks? Have you stopped to think about how many hours they've given, how many things that um, you've asked them to do? And they said, yes, because all my churches that I talk to, everybody's saying volunteerism through the roof. We don't have to beg anybody to do anything. We've always begged people to do things, but we don't have to beg right now because people know they have to, you know, they have to go for it. This isn't the time to, to phone it in. And so putting yourself in their shoes of volunteering, then you go, oh, man, this really is asking a lot of us. So what can I do to appreciate my volunteers? You know, in the next 30 days, I, every pastor could do something to appreciate their volunteers because they've stepped mm -hmm. up. And that's going to pay dividends for leadership um, in the future. So it's a real strategic, uh, sustainable thing to appreciate them. So just another example. So awesome, PJ. Guys, I'm going to close this thing out. Any last comments anybody wants to say before I give a closing uh, comment? Well, guys, I appreciate y'all joining me on this. and I look forward over the next few weeks of fleshing some of these out a little bit more. We're going to bring in some of the other catalysts uh, that, that deal with it, their area in this. We're going to bring in some different pastors from across the state to speak into uh, some of these issues, these struggles that we're having. So let me just tell you this. 
this is our time. This is the time the church cannot evacuate. It's time for us to advance. We've got to move the ball and start thinking down the road of, of how can we position the church and our family to be successful, to have gospel impact coming out of this quarantine, not sit back and say, okay, we're just going to hang out for a few weeks until it's over. And then um, that favorite phrase, we'll figure it out. This is the time to prepare, to pray, and position your church family in there. And our uh, discipleship consultants, they exist to celebrate your wins, which means that things are going well with you. We want to share with the world so other people can, can experience the same blessings and wins that you're experiencing. We want to prioritize your relationships, which means professionally, we want to help you with what you're doing at church. You've got to struggle. We want these guys to be on your speed dial. Call us. We want to help. If we don't have the answer immediately, I promise you, we'll go and we'll figure out an answer from where it needs to get and get it back to you. So we want to prioritize that relationship with you, but also personally. You know, if we can come and preach for you, if we can come help with a discipleship or anything in your church, or maybe just give you a break for you and your family, we want to help you. And then the third thing is we want to resource your greatest need. So when there's a struggle, we want you to know that, listen to me, pastor, leader, you're not alone. This is a battle that we're all in, particularly right now, and you are not alone. So don't you let fear paralyze you. Don't get stressed out over what's happening. Know that you are part of a team, and we're here, here to help. And I'll leave you with this thought, and any other comments you have, uh, note those uh, in the comments section. We want to continue to answer these even when we go offline. Uh, but I want to leave you with a thought. And it's this, the good news is only good if people receive it before they die. I want you to hear me, leaders. We've got an answer to a problem that is across the world. And the biggest problem is not this virus. The biggest problem is sin. The people of the world need to know about Jesus. So do something and do it now. Mobilize your people to minister in the community, to love people that are around you, and give them Jesus and know that this team is here to help you. So thanks for tuning in with us. Any last comments, uh, put those in that comment section and we'll continue to answer those um, even after the broadcast is over. PJ, thank you for running the show for us and uh, we look forward to visit with you guys in another week as we begin to flesh these things out. Goodbye.